Hours and hours of thinking, cropped within 33 minutes. Welcome back to the FPLC. That's right, Mane got injured, hauled off at the 33rd minute mark, crushing so many triple captain dreamers. But don't fret, we are here to help. Welcome back to the listeners to the 160th episode of the FPL Surgery Podcast. We are recording on the 27th of January 2020. This week's guest is another veteran of FPL Surgery, been on many times before and is also a veteran in FPL. With six top 20k finishes, three top 10k with his highest being 4,543, his fantasy football fixes, head of online content, FPL editor aka Craig. Welcome to the podcast Craig, nice to have you back mate. Great to be back on. It's been a while, so thank you for having me. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, Good to have you back, though. And also, uh, welcome back to my co-host, Stefan. Yeah, thanks. I'm refreshed after a long weekend, FA Cup weekend, out in the mountains, skiing and just relaxing and not watching too much football, and it was a nice break. But you can't wait to get back into it, though, can you? Yeah, now I can get, can't wait, but I'm refreshed, as I said, so yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah, same as me. Yeah. How have you been getting on, then, Craig, lately? How are you doing this season so far? Yeah, it was certainly a slow start to begin with, but certainly picked up in the last few weeks for sure. Currently ranked 43k uh, midway through game week 24, so not too bad. But um, but yeah, it was a really chuggy start. And as of I believe game week 14, I was ranked one million and fifty thousand. So uh, yeah, outside the top uh, one million uh, seven figure rank wasn't pretty. But uh, you know, change of fortune. I got on Mane and Salah pretty early, and I've had them since that time period. And I wasn't on Vardy at the time, but uh, uh, eventually I succumbed there as well and brought him in perhaps in game week 15 or something like that. So yeah. So yeah. There's a lot of people hope that does because the likes of myself and Stefan around the, uh, where, where are we at the moment? I think we're 700k. Six, 600k. Mark. So you're, you're 600k. Trending oh, upwards. At least. Yeah, we, we are moving upwards, but it just shows that it is doable. Craig now around yep. the 40k mark is doable. You just got to, what was your secret there, Craig? Anything? other than the Mane Salah anything captaincies or yes captaincies definitely came into it I managed to get some significant points from the Mane Salah captaincies around sort of that game week 15 to 20 mark where there were uh, some 15 point hauls from both of them there were uh, a couple of game weeks where they did one didn't play uh, and then I think I managed to get uh, the vice captaincy points of Mane one week uh, but I, I've pretty much kept it on Salah for a long period now and, and actually yeah, he's done all right yeah yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's definitely uh, paid dividends and, and I must say that was it's more of a of a gut choice. You know, I love stats. I'm definitely a statistician, but uh, and, I, and of course, I like watching the game. But but I think sometimes you have to go on your gut. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Even going perma captain on Salah now towards the end of the season with Liverpool going for the title could be a, a solution to some people. Could problems. be for sure. <clears throat> okay, let's list the FPL headlines for this week. Then after this. They are, is the Vardy party over? Value in Southampton. This is a headline from Craig, Southampton fan. Mid-price strikers. 
panic wild cards and preview time so we're going to do a bit of previewing of the upcoming game weeks but first let's briefly discuss on how we got on in the last game week stefan i'm going to kick off with you here how did you get on last game week? well i triple captain salah and i'm at 35 points my only decision i didn't make any transfers i was kind of wanting to do a transfer when i heard inks was out but i decided just to bench inks for kelly so a one pointer benched for a one pointer it worked out <laughs> okay and other than that, I just had the Sun goal and the KDB points. After the panic time before the deadline, I'm pretty happy I saved the transfer and I've now got two free transfers to go ahead. Ah, nice. It works well now. So you've got Salah to play against West Ham triple captains. Yeah, Salah, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. <laughs> and I actually felt bad for everyone when Mane went off, even though he was the one who could really ruin my game week. So uh, it's just not supposed to end that way. Yeah, it does show you like a lot of people were fretting about not having Mane, but then yeah, just 33 minutes in, and then it's just you're almost like, oh, what a waste of time! But yeah, and, and it's the, it's the player about. that's the least least injured, or pretty much everyone. He he can just play through everything. It seems so. It's just terrible luck. Nothing you can yeah, do about it. Very unlucky. And Craig, how are you currently getting on in this game week? Not too bad, James. Gazaniga didn't play, so he's already on the chopping block for game week 25. I didn't have any backup. I saw some people with backups of Pope who have done very well there. Um, but obviously, he got me 14 points, which was quite fortuitous in the previous game week because he's been pretty rubbish for me since bringing him in. I also benched Ings, um, so there's a bit more fortune there because I benched Ings and brought in Stevens. Oh. It was probably going to be my oh, first sub, and obviously brought in 11 points, so a big 10-point swing there, um, which was uh, very good. And other than that, it's a bit of a damp squib. I mean, I did take out Raul Jimenez, which was based on the fact that Calvert-Lewin had three relatively nice fixtures and has been playing well, uh, with the idea of bringing Jimenez back in after... Liverpool at home, uh, Man United away, and then Leicester at home, thinking they are quite challenging fixtures. While he is an incredible player and can score in any of those, I thought Calvert-Lewin with Newcastle at home, Watford away, and Crystal Palace at home had better prospects. Um, he got five points. Jimenez got eight points, so I can't really complain too much. But uh, I'm sure I'll be bringing Jimenez back in soon. Yeah, Stevens an inspired pick. Actually. When did you bring him in? I only recently brought him in, actually, and I brought him in because I had issues with Rico uh, and Target, who I didn't want in my team anymore. Rico was dropped. Target is playing for Aston Villa and they're leaking goals in like nobody's business. Uh, so I thought I'd look at Southampton and I could have brought McCarthy in because I've obviously got issues with Gazaniga, but I've got my eye on another keeper. So I thought, you know, Stevens gives us a bit of cover because Southampton's defensive stats, which I'm sure we'll go on to shortly when we talk about some of the headlines, are, are very promising. So I can go into that in a little bit more flavour shortly. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll let listeners know how I got in the last game week. I saw that Ings was potential bencher. So yeah, I benched him for Greenwood, and that didn't matter in the end. I got the one point either way. I brought in Mane for Sterling. He got one point. Was Sterling get two in the end? I triple captain Salah, so I've still got that to come, and I've got Van Dyke to come as well. I removed. Who did I remove? I removed Sionyu for Van Dyke, so I've still got those two to play, and I'm on 41 at the moment, so that's. That's seven decent. Above, yeah, seven above average. So it's actually quite good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still hoping for goals from Salah, but we will see. <clears throat> okay, yeah, just got, um, oh, sorry, I was just going to say I've got a Salah captain as well, triple captain. I forgot, I forgot even to mention that. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, so the small got, thing that he's Salah captain. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely, my friend. 
So, uh, yeah, just to mention our Patreons firstly, thank you to all of our brilliant Patreons. We've got a new one this week, Michael Littman. He's come in at Slack level, so thank you, Mike. I've literally just added you just now. Also, thank you to Andy Portlog, Vince Poyle, and Ron Fosk, who are pledging at the highest tier. They get an extra special mention each week, so thank you to them. If you want to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. Okay, back to the headlines. Is the Vardy party over? So we had a question here from Mark at mbison22 saying, Leicester are one of three teams who have scored more than 50 goals this season. So should we really be selling Jamie Vardy because of three tough fixtures and a possible blank? So I'm going to bounce this straight back to you, Craig. Should we be selling him? This is a really tough question. I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think when you look at it, Vardy is exceptional value even still, you know, um, with his increased price. And if the, the the knock rang true and he wasn't going to, you know, play this this weekend or he's going to be out for a sustained period, then yes, of course, you know, you, you'd move off him. But I saw a tweet earlier that referenced Brendan Rodgers' quote on Vardy saying that he's going to be in the squad for the uh, EFL yeah, Cup absolutely. tie. Yeah. yeah, that only just came out earlier, didn't it? And that, that, that gives me a little bit more optimism because obviously I have issues with Gazaniga as I mentioned already so I need to bring in a transfer there I don't particularly want to do a minus four uh, and just jump ship as of yet because as we know Vardy can score against anybody in the Premier League it's that typical scenario isn't it where for a few game weeks uh, a player like Vardy who again he's not the cheapest player in the game doesn't do anything and immediately uh, is the is the impatience in, in, in us to, to basically act upon it and do something different if another player looks like uh, they're more favourable or has a better run of fixtures and I know Aubameyang's being mentioned quite a lot because of his favourable fixtures coming forward. But when I ran some analysis on the two of them earlier, it still looks like you should side with Vardy. Oh, really? What, what analysis did you do like in terms of stats? Yeah, I looked at some of the stats. Now, of course, um, you know, pinch of salt with, with some stats. But when you look at it over the season, of course, Vardy is ahead of Aubameyang in, in many aspects in terms of, of course, his goals, his expected goals. And you would understand and expect that because he's a few goals ahead of him at the moment. But his average statistics per 90 minutes are, are better as well in terms of you know what he's getting per game. Uh, and, and what really stood out to me was when I looked at the last six game weeks, because that for me is the more important thing, because that's demonstrating that dip in Vardy's form, shall we say. And, and it's pretty even. I mean, you see that Aubameyang's got three goals in his last six game weeks. And of course, Vardy hasn't got any. And we know he's missed some game time. But actually, his expected goals in those last six game weeks is 1.24, according to Fantasy Football Fix, whereas Aubameyang's is 1.34. And if you look at it per 90, uh, Vardy's expected goals is 0.36 and uh, Aubameyang's is 0.34. And a lot of the per 90 statistics like shots on target, goal assists, expected assists are all siding with Vardy. So it does say to me that he's just perhaps been a little bit unfortunate. And I think we can probably see that from the footage that we've seen with highlights, etc. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Rogers. He said Vardy's in the squad. We'll give it another day to see if we can start. So we've got tomorrow. Today's Monday. This is going to come out tomorrow, so we'll know by then. There's likelihood that he will be back because we've got another two weeks after this game week until the next game week. So I do think he's a hold. If you think he's going to score well like, like you do, then yeah, he's definitely a hold. Stefan, what do you reckon? My take on this is more of a game theory angle. For me, it's basically when, when this pod is released, I think everyone knows which one of Aston Villa and Leicester has gone through to the EFL Cup final. And if Leicester go through, they will have a blank in game week 28. 
and I think Vardy could be sold for Chelsea game or even the next game week. I don't think you need to keep Vardy if they have a blank in game week 28. And the opposite, if Aston Villa wins and Leicester have a game against Norwich in game week 28 and very good fixtures also after game week 28, I think you need to keep him. If it's fit, of course, because those transfers in and out, you can't afford to make them. And he, he just seems to be a value if he has that game in 28. But if he doesn't have the game, you will do good if you reallocate those funds and take the cash you have earned from owning Vardy for a long while. If you have yeah. on him, of course. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Dodd, he, he posed a question to us, just saying managers have large values tied up in the likes of Vardy, Lundstrom, Abraham. Do you think this is the main reason why people won't sell? Are we too concerned over the artificial team value? Are people scared of the value now? I mean, if, if Vardy was injured, I think he should just go straight out. If he's injured for about a month or so, I don't think you need to worry about the, the value at all. But because he might be back for the next game week, I'm, I'm with you. I think it does depend on whether or not they blank in game week 28. Even even if he does blank in game week 28, Stefan, are you definitely on the remove if he is fit? If he blanks or yeah. if he doesn't blank. If he blanks, if he, I think you can remove blanked. it. It's For me, it will be a question of whether I want to remove him ahead of the Chelsea game or after the Chelsea game. I think I'm pretty much set on removing him if he gets a blank in 28. And okay. and I'd I, I rather take the value I've earned and spend it other places. And as you could see, all, he has already dropped 0.2, I think. So he's already on a downward spiral and that value you have in him will dwindle away the longer you wait if he yeah. turns out to not have a game in 28. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I think that's all we need to say on Vardy. Anything else you need to pose there, Craig? Anything more? No, I, I agree with what Stefan's saying, to be honest. I think it's that's why it's not cut and dry. So while what I was saying might differ a little bit to what Stefan was saying, when you look at the actual fixtures in the fact that he has Chelsea next and he has Man City and he has Wolves away in the next three and then could have a blank, which is against Norwich, which is perhaps the more favourable one, then of course the inclination there is to perhaps move him out. It's just that when you look after that blank against Norwich, he has Aston Villa, Aston Villa at home, in fact, Watford away and Brighton at home. And that is potentially before some people want to play their wild card. Now, I know some people are playing it now, but if you are looking to play it in the 30s and gear yourself up for some doubles and blank game weeks, you wouldn't actually be playing it till post those fixtures. So there's a lot to consider. Yeah, and if they do blank that game week 28, which is Norwich, then wherever they put that, uh, game week, he's got a juicy double game week to come. We, yeah, so and we also had the FA Cup yeah. draw yeah, just now. And uh, by the looks of it, Leicester is going to blank in game week 31 as well. So it basically means blank in 28, then a couple of good games against Villa and Watford, and a blank again. So Yeah, and Brighton, isn't it? Yeah, so you'll have blank against Norwich and Brighton, which of course is, is, is an absolute shoo-in for a place in your team when he has those games as doubles, right? Yeah, so he's a guy you can take him out now if Leicester goes through, as probably people know when they listen to this. Take him out, that's okay, and bring him back on the wild card, and he will be cheaper than the 9.9 he costs currently. Yeah, I I agree with that. As as you mentioned there, there will be a blank game week 28. Well, is that guaranteed yet? Yes, you? it's guaranteed. It is guaranteed. So it's uh, if Man City beat Man United, the Man City Arsenal game will blank. If Leicester beat Villa in the semi-final, then the Leicester Norwich game will blank. And if Villa beat Leicester, then the Aston Villa Sheffield United game will blank. And if Man United beat City, then mm. the Everton Man United game 
will blank. So there's only four potential games to blank there, but the biggest blank game week will be game week 31. And that's where a lot of people are looking to use that free hit if you're thinking about your chips at the moment. And so if we know who is blanking game week 28, it's not necessarily to bring in those players. And if you can make better use of your cash there for the likes of Vardy and take him out if you know that Leicester are not playing in that game week. So yes, it will be a, a move out for me as well. Okay, I think that's enough said on that one for now. Let's talk about the value in Southampton. Headline number two. Sherry and Baxter has put, is Danny Ings points train over? She's asking if the Danny Ings points train is over. Craig, is it over? I don't think it's necessarily over and I think he's got a great run of games coming up. So I think you should definitely be sticking with him. I've already seen utterings of people selling him because of a couple of blanks. I think he's going to do well away against Liverpool and that's a bold statement because Liverpool are probably the best team in Europe at the moment but because they'll be coming in from quite a busy schedule and playing West Ham tomorrow while Southampton have had uh, more days rest and will be very pumped up because of the history there between Southampton and Liverpool in that uh, Southampton have given Liverpool quite a few players over the years and Ings of course is one of the ones that have come out of Liverpool to Southampton uh, which has been a great one this year he's already on 14 Premier League goals and he looks like he's got a lot more in him. He, he looks like a, a true forward. And, and I'll say this, if Kane is injured, I'm sure he probably will make the uh, the Euros side. Ings is that type of player that could fill the void there. Not an Abraham or a Rashford because they play quite differently. But Ings is is like your archetypal um, centre forward that can drop into like a number 10 position and, and link up play. But yet he's got the sort of uh, poacher finish to him. So yeah, he's, he's, he's really impressed me this year. So I, he's not dried up. I can still see him getting another five or six goals. And I think he'll get to that 20 goal mark, which, you know, for a player that costs six to 6.5, depending when you bought him, I think he's a, a player to keep. Yeah, I think I fully agree with what you're saying there as well and also if you can kind of tell us what's happened to Southampton lately like they start the season they're looking yeah. terrible and you know just looking at the last four games alone they've scored seven goals which is right up there equal with Liverpool above Chelsea they are doing well recently and they're back in form Hassan who has really got them playing now what do you think it is that he's brought to the mentality or the whole team ethic just coming together the players coming back from injury I think it's very much that it's, it's manager. I think the the manager there is brilliant, and mm. he could have easily been sacked after the nine nil drubbing at home at the hands of Leicester. Yeah, it's quite remarkable what Southampton have done since. And in the last six games, they have the third best away league form as well, behind Liverpool and Man City. So it's quite impressive what they what they what they've managed to achieve. And I think it is very much that mentality. We haven't had heaps of players coming back from injury or anything like that. Hassan Hurtel has changed it around a little bit, so he dropped Gunn. Uh, he brought in McCarthy. He brought in Stevens at, at the expense of Vestergaard. So he's tried things and they seem to have worked. And actually, it's, it is Stevens that I think has made quite a big difference to that back line. He's really shored it up. and He's, he's playing, uh, again, very good football at the moment at the back there. So it's great to see. And uh, things are coming together with Ward Prowse and Redmond playing OK. And, and Ings just seems to be putting the chances away. So I think it's a confidence thing more than anything. But of course, it is the way that Hassan Hutu was managing the team. And he's trying to get them playing football very much in the ilk of Liverpool. You know, press from the front and uh, do your defensive duties up in the final third of the opposition and, and that's what he's getting the guys doing and they are looking like very fit at the moment and I think that is the big reason 
Yeah, it seems to be working, doesn't it? We, we, we've spoken about Ings there briefly, but who yeah. else from the Southampton team? I suppose you're going to go with Stevens there because he's in your yeah. team. McCarthy, yeah. I suppose, is, is another one. Um, yeah, anyone else in midfield? I mean, I know Redmond has been an option over the years, but he's never been that yeah. consistent for me to keep it up. Mm. Anyone else yeah. who you think from Southampton? Yeah, Redmond's one of those uh, tricky ones, as you said. He, he's very streaky and a bit hot and cold but it, some of his stats I looked at them earlier and some of his stats were uh, vastly better than say your Adam Traore's which was quite interesting um, yeah. I, yeah and there was a few things I mean I don't say vastly I mean not mind-blowing numbers but in the last six games Redmond's had five shots on target Traore's actually only had three shots on target uh, and there were other uh, factors in there as well in terms of shots in general that was better than Traore and a few others. So he's obviously stepping his game up a little bit and maybe going a little bit under the radar. And I think you have to just keep your eye on Southampton. I think if, if I was an FPL manager listening to this, I would definitely be bringing in a defender 100%. If you've got a few issues at the back and, and it might even be switch someone that you paid you know five plus for i would look at stevens 100 percent because he's got three double digits in his last seven games uh, he's got four attacking returns in his last nine games uh, and we're keeping some clean sheets so so yeah stevens would be the one at 4.4 million then you've got mccarthy at 4.4 million as well if you've got keeper issues and then ings of course uh, i think war prowse is doing well it's, it's always going to do well in set piece delivery but it's pretty much the defense and and ings so um yeah i'd say most teams should have two players that's pushing it there i'm i'm not going to back you there on the on the two players i mean you've been doing well recently but three clean sheets since mccarthy's been stated as the number one keeper you know it's, it's pretty good but i do take southampton as a team as probably one of the only teams that i would trust that are in and around the mid-table mark looking below that you've got who everton Maybe Burnley, Newcastle, potential teams, but the likes of Brighton, Villa, West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford, Norwich. I don't really trust their defence. Maybe Watford now with the resurgence of Pearson. But Stefan, what are your thoughts on Southampton and going any of their assets? Any of them that you're looking at? Yeah, I've got things and I, I might jump on Stevens as well, but sort of a question to Craig. How do you rate Lascelles up against Stevens, for example? Yeah, good question. I, I would still go with with uh, Stevens, I and mean, that's not bias creeping in. I, I, because I, don't get me wrong, I might even look at the sales myself for, for where I've got other issues because I also own Kelly and Williams. And again, I need to see what's happening with Williams, with with Shaw seemingly now maybe back in the fray, but Kelly might be going out quite quickly with Ward. So I, I don't want to rule the sales out. So I'd say that's quite a tough one, but. If I had to make a decision between the two of them, I would definitely be going Stevens first. I like the run of fixtures. I think Southampton are a stronger team than Newcastle. And what I mean by that is that we're better going forwards, which obviously alleviates quite a lot of pressure on the back. And just to go back to my point about assets from Southampton, when I referred to two, James, I meant with Ings as well. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be investing two uh, additional players on top of Ings and, and putting two players in like a, a McCarthy and maybe a defender. But I'd certainly be looking mm. at bringing one of the defensive players in because we've been very good in terms of um, keeping the goals out, should I say, in the last sort of seven or eight games. I think we've only conceded six or seven goals. Yeah, we, I mean, we did have a question here from FPL Sears. He put, uh, should I de-invest in Brighton to hop on either Sheffield or Newcastle? And you raised yeah. Newcastle there in terms of the sellers, Stefan. And 
He could be a good shout. I mean, he's 4.2 Lacerra, so it's a cheap option. And as I mentioned, there's not really many teams below. The likes of Liverpool is the only team that you can actually trust for a clean sheet nowadays. Lacerra's at 4.2. He's been out, I think, 10 games now, just looking at his record. Yeah, 10 games. They've got good run of fixtures coming up, Newcastle. He's got an eye for goal, hasn't he, Lacerra's? I remember, actually, my mate who is the Everton nutritionist, Clang there, he finished 335th overall and he scored in the last few couple of games to finish the season for him he was a really good push with Lascelles there so he's always going to be a goal threat from corners Lascelles Newcastle as well I know they're a very good home record defensively they're actually third for defensive stats at home they're behind Sheffield United and Liverpool so potential good one there potential cheap option but I think we'll come on on to other options but I think we're, we're done about talking about Southampton for now so moving on to the next headline so Number three, mid-price strikers. So I just went through and listed the mid-price strikers that are, are worth talking about here. Fours I listed were Ings, Jimenez, Dominic Cavett-Lewin, Chris Wood, Pookie, Haller, Callum Wilson, Delafeu slash Dini, Yotta, and the budget strikers of Greenwood and Martinelli. I'm going to move this back to you again then, Craig. So we've got a question here from um, Moha Syed has put Ings or Jimenez. So... Out of these two, who would you choose? And what other mid-price strikers are you thinking about or do you think should be spoken about? That's a good question. And again, without trying to be a cop-out on the particular question, I would say both. Mm. That would be my strategy because I'm probably... And the reason I say that is not just, again, to just to throw that out there, but uh, I'm probably looking at owning both myself. So, so there's definitely... I've got some both, so that, that's good there news for me. Good news. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, well, there's a lot of value there, right? I mean, you've got two players that, well, one is 7.6 now. Obviously, Jimenez rose this week and then Ings is still providing value around seven as well. So, I mean, if I was investing in one of them now, I'd, I'd like to look at Jimenez because he's particularly consistent. He's a bit of a powerhouse, but I'm probably going to own both. Um, Jimenez, interestingly, is dominating the stats at the moment, um, just behind Dini, actually, when you look at the last six games. Uh, when you look at expected FPL points, again, utilising the Fantasy Football Fix stats sandbox, you've got Dini there at 7.14 expected FPL points per game in the last six game weeks. So he's obviously getting a lot of opportunities and putting a lot of shots on target. And then you've got Jimenez at 6.64. And he is ahead of the likes of Firmino, Aguero, Calvert-Lewin, Jesus, Puki, Aubameyang. These are the ones that fall behind him. So Jimenez is right up there in terms of what he is expected to achieve in a game. And, and a lot of that is because of the opportunities that he's getting inside the box. Yeah, he's got four goals in his last six game weeks. And yeah, he is right up there for shots on goals. I think he's got 22 in his last six. But I'll tell you who he's actually behind, who I was going to bring into my team, but I went for Ings instead. But Dominic Cabot-Lewin. Yeah. The problem is Everton do have bad fixtures after these next two. But he is top for for all strikers over the last six game weeks for shots on 23. And he's equal top with Firmino for shots in the box on 20. I mean, recent form for the stats is good as well. I mean, he's got 11 shots in the box in his last four of two goals. So he is one of these assets, which I think, you know, Ancelotti has really put some faith in and starting for his team because you weren't entirely sure whether or not he would continue with him. And he looks like he is. But it's just those bad fixtures coming up. Would he be someone which you would consider or bring in, even though they've got bad fixtures? Yes, I would. I would. Uh, 
I would bring in Calvert Lewin, even though he has some tough fixtures, because I think both Arsenal, United, and Chelsea from Gaelic 27 onwards isn't that hard of fixtures at this point. They can still concede goals, mm. and Calvert Lewin does well to score them. So you you would consider him? And what about you, Craig? I own Calvert Lewin, so oh yeah, you do. Yeah, you're keeping them. Thanks, <laughs> short. Yeah, I, I took him out for Jimenez, as mentioned at the start of the pod, and. I think I quite like the look of a Calvert-Lewin Jimenez Ings front three and it means that I can perhaps invest in the back and we know what happens at the latter part of the season you see some of the bigger teams shoring things up or keeping clean sheets and being a little bit more consistent so the likes of Laporte for instance might come into question soon and again he's 6.2 million so he's not totally cheap so you might need to reallocate funds but Calvert-Lewin as you pointed out James is dominating the stats shots on target 10 he ranks first like you said alongside Aguero and Dini he's passing the eye tests as well it's not all about the stats but he seems to be again a very good sense forward getting in the right positions in the penalty box so uh, yeah for sure I'd be investing in him if you are looking to bring in someone of that price and I know if I owned uh, Molpe I'd probably be considering making the swap across even though he was very unlucky against Bournemouth. Yeah, I own Mopay and I think I will stick with him for some more weeks if I don't have too many free transfers available. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, as a general rule, if you were on a wild card, which pretty much a bunch of people are, I think the mid-price trackers is so good that you could probably go without any premium. If you really don't want to get in Aubameyang or Aguero or Vardy, I think there's a lot of good options. And remember also that Chris Wood has zero blanks, so he will uh, get a game every single game week for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's, that's Burnley. They don't, they don't get any blank game weeks for the rest of the yeah. season. Yeah, so, the so he, and he's a good option still. Um, so we've got some, some ones to pick from if you go to cheap attacker, attackers. Yeah, in the last four, actually, Wood's got 11 shots in the box. He's got the three goals, 10 for the season. It's not a bad option. Just Burnley, I think it was about a month ago, they only had 10 shots on target since November. I think it was the start of January that that was a statistic which buzzed up in front of me. But yeah, he seems to be on form at the moment. And I think Barnes is out, so he's probably going to be on penalties as well. What are Burnley's fixtures like? They are improving as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. they're pretty good now, starting with Arsenal, but then Southampton, Bournemouth, Newcastle. And then it gets a bit tougher, but then again, they have a game in 31, and that's some value. Yeah, so potential for a lot of goals there. Any other options which you guys want to talk about? We've got Pookie, Haller, uh, Callum Wilson, Dini, Delefeu, Jota. Any of them which you guys would consider bringing into your teams? I got to mention the new guy at Aston Villa, Samata. He's, mm. he's, he's coming at uh, come in at six million, I think, and he's uh, something to watch when they face Bournemouth away at the weekend. Yes, he is because obviously we've got Wesley out. I didn't realise he came in at six mil though. I didn't. When was he announced? Is it today? Yeah, I think it was today. So yeah, potential one, but I can't really. The only person that I can trust for Villa at the moment is Grealish. There's not really anyone else. I think he would be a wait and see for me. But if you want to punt on someone potentially, anyone else, Craig? Anyone from your side? Who who would you think? of all those players that you would bring in to your team? Yeah, I think from my side, Dini's the only other person that's actually being a talisman for their club at the moment and doing the right things, getting in the right positions, taking penalties, passing the eye test. He's getting some big chances. So he's the only other person because what would have obviously 
improved considerably. He, he's the only one that I would perhaps consider. One for you, James, maybe to put it back on you because you'll know more than most on this particular pod. But Martinelli seems to be propping up and getting some points. Do you think that his position's uh, gonna going to stay or do you think he's liable to rotation? Well, that's the thing with Martinelli. A lot of people are looking at him and Aubameyang has been out so he's kind of shone when he's been out. But yeah. You know, he deserves a starting spot. And I think a lot of people are concerned about Lacazette and his numbers and whether or not he's going to be moved out so that Martinelli will get more of a regular start. But I'm not sure that will happen because Lacazette does work really hard for the team. I know he hasn't scored since game week 15, but I'm not sure if he can be dropped. I think Arteta does like him and he's playing well for Arsenal as a team. He's like Aubameyang does. He gets back and helps defend, etc. And as a team, I think we're, we're doing better. So, yeah, not really sure there. I think the other option in that particular price bracket of Martinelli would be Greenwood. But again, he's unsure of his place. I thought he was going to play against Burnley. Me and Stefan both thought that he was going to play against Burnley, but that didn't happen. So we're not quite sure what Ollie's doing. He's probably deserving of a start. But I think that kind of moves me on to the Aubameyang question. We had a question here from Alan from our Slack channel. He's put, obvious question this week, guys. With Vardy out, which we're not entirely sure if he is, is it Aguero or Aubameyang for people? We also had a question from FPL Sears saying, is Aubameyang worth investment? Are are Barca even interested? So, Stefan, what are your thoughts on Aguero or Aubameyang and Aubameyang as an option? Well, my, my gut reaction when Vardy went off injured was, okay, it's Aubameyang time. But mm. the more I've looked at it, and with the potential blank in game with 28, if City goes through in the EFL Cup, I think uh, Arsenal and Aubameyang, it's too much short term to go for him now. And with Vardy probably being back from injury already... I don't see the huge upside with going Arsenal until after the blank game week. And uh, for Aguero, he has a huge ceiling and he can do very well, especially in game week 26 against West Ham at home, if you dare to captain him. Uh, I don't dare to captain him and I don't dare to get him. So it will be more of the going for the cheaper strikers for me rather than spending all that cash. And by the looks of it, you can even keep Wardy maybe for the... Chelsea game. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Also, just based on Aubameyang, he has had good stats in his last four, eight shots in the box in his last four, three goals. But as I mentioned in our Slack channel, I think it'll be a gamble which could lead to big rewards. But um, as you mentioned, more or less blanking in game week 28 because it's only if... um, Man City beat Man United and they're already beating them in the first leg so that's probably going to happen so Arsenal will blank in game 28 and also I think Aubameyang's working like I mentioned he's working hard for the team he's getting back defending he's also trying to use his influence as being a, a true captain uh, I don't think that helps with FPL as well even though he does manage to get himself a big chance nearly every game and he could score nearly every game he's, he's been quite consistent with 14 goals this season and he's on penalty too so a bit of a conundrum what are your thoughts on Aubameyang Craig and also that question there the obvious of uh, Vardy out and Aguero or Aubameyang I think you guys have covered it very well I think the only other thing I would say is pound for pound maybe a Jimenez or another player of that ilk is better suited and you might get a good return out of them so I think I'd probably be looking to them because they are consistent and they're sort of guaranteed their place within their given teams and you might be able to spend that money elsewhere. But 
with a Bamiyang, you, you know what you're getting. You're, you're getting a 20 plus goal a season player, and he's not there yet. So the likelihood is, is that he's going to go and get another six or eight goals this year. Just that's what the stats say, and that's how he plays. Uh, and he's quite a prolific player. So I could see why people might want to naturally move towards him. But my only way to do that would be through Vardy, and I'm likely to give Vardy at least another game week, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, we're going to move on to headline number four then. Panic wildcard. So a lot of people are looking at wildcarding now with a few injury worries. We've got FPL Chancellor Dan has put in seeing a lot of wildcards flying around. Is there a valid argument to use it now? We've also got FPL DJ Dom J has put, is it a good time to play the wildcard with Vardy and Mane injured? And then Alex from our Slack channel has put a question for the pod with a poor rank. Name a couple of players for the wildcard that may push us up the ranks. So just kind of going to float around the wildcard question there. Stefan, what are your thoughts on the wildcard and playing it now with a few injuries in your team? Do you think now is a good time? Uh, it could be a good time if we get confirmation that Mane is out for a while. If Vardy doesn't get fit for the weekend and Abraham also being out and you have all these guys, of course, the sum of it can be too much to make you want to wildcard. But generally, not a lot of people will have all these players. And it might be that some people push the wildcard button in frustration, maybe. I sort of felt it myself. Okay, this is a double game week. We waited for 35 points. Nothing happening. Yeah. Make something happen. But but I still think the teams most have for game week 24 seems pretty decent going forward. So I haven't considered it really strongly at all while cutting now because I think we lack too much information to make a good plan yet. We don't know about blanks in game, in game week 31 with the FA Cup. We don't know where we want to play our chips, maybe. We're guessing, we're looking at different strategies, but I would like the game to settle a bit more before making my plan for the wild card. Yeah, and Craig? Yeah, I think it's too early, but there, there is no right or wrong time. It does really depend on your situation. I think if you're inside the top 1 million uh, at the moment, I don't think you perhaps need to wild card. You could probably get away with making even a minus 8 to rectify that situation and that could even be four transfers or three depending on how many you have to use i think there's a lack of information as stefan has already said i don't think we know enough yet and things change quite quickly in football look at vardy if you said four game weeks ago everyone's going to start shipping him out people would have thought you're crazy that's how quickly things can turn around right so all of a sudden uh, there could be a player that just goes and gets a brace and a goal and then everyone wants him like someone like a son for instance at spurs and that's the kind of player that you, you need to look for. I don't think anyone would really be wanting to invest in a, in a son, maybe on a wild card now. So I think it's a bit too early. From 500,000 ranked up to sort of 50k, we're only kind of talking 80 points. And I don't think 80 points is a lot. And, and what I've noticed over the years, if you can be patient and you can persevere and maybe make a couple of hits if you're really struggling and utilize that wild card in game weeks 31 to 34 in that kind of window then you can make massive, massive swings because you're going to maximise your double game week players, which could be worth another 20 or 30 points right in one game week. Mm. Now, if you haven't got that wild card, you aren't getting that swing. And if, and, and what I would say is if you do play your wild card now, I don't want to worry people that have played it. You've probably played it for a good reason. Your team's probably not in a, in a great fit state. You, you need to do you know, some wholesale changes. But if you if you can resist, then I would say so, uh, because you, you can make big swings. I don't see that there's going to be massive swings in the next, say, three to five game weeks. 
playing your wild card now. I don't see an 80 to 100 point swing. But if I were on a wild card now, I would do two things. First of all, I would I would actually aim to spend the bench boost either in game week 26 or 27, I think. Because, okay, yeah, interesting. Because playing the bench boost is always so hard. It's tricky. And if you want to get 15 guys playing at a later stage of the season without a wild card, it could be a problem. And you might just get players just because they have two games and use a lot of free transfers in a lot of weeks in advance before the big double, for example, if you want to spend it there. So I like to advocate playing the bench boost close to the wild card, giving you the best chance of having 15 guys with a good fixture. And the second thing is with uh, with the uh, game week 31 and with Arsenal just beating Bournemouth, it means what Wolverhampton has a game in game week 31, the blank. And also Liverpool is going to play the kids. I mean, the, the kids' kids, not the second team, but the third team again in the in the FA Cup and the Drew Chelsea away. So it could mean that both Liverpool and Wolverhampton get the game in game week 31. And if you have six of those players, I don't think you need to free hit and you can save that powerful chip for later, or if you want to. So on the wild card, I would have at least three Liverpool players. Of course, I will have three Liverpool players and at least a couple of Wolves players at this point. I I would want to try and argue against any of that, but I can't. It's really sound logic from both of you there, and I totally agree with everything you said, especially what you're saying there, Craig, about the using it earlier than let's say the likes. So if we had a question here, David Hunter has just said FPL General talks about game week 26 wildcard only gives you three weeks to reap the benefits of the strongest chip, and totally agree. It only gives you three weeks, but it could set you up really nicely for those double game weeks but you don't know what's going to happen in those double game weeks whether or not any Liverpool assets are going to be an option whether or not they've won the league by then or who's going to be pushing the likes of Man City might be pushing for the Champions League we don't know so yeah I, I do prefer the earlier yeah. option using it but I, I don't think we're quite ready as Stefan's mentioned we, we don't know enough information we know a few a few bits now which is kind of handy but I, I still don't think we know enough and that kind of answers Emma's question from Slack as well yeah one, one thing I will just say uh, in relation to this season it's, it's particularly unique because we're probably going to see the champion being crowned in March which is I don't even remember the last time that that's happened where there's been so many games in advance that we've decided the title now if that is the case you know, where does everyone's interest go? Does does Man City's, for instance, then just go straight to the Champions League, the same as Liverpool's, the same as other teams that perhaps might be still in these types of competitions? Therefore, do they rotate heavily with the league? Now, if you play your wild card early, you could end up with a lot of dead rubber. So that's another thing to consider. Yeah, and and this uh, FA Cup draw, it could mean that there is eight Premier League teams in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, or at least up to eight teams, and that means there are going to be a lot of blanks. With that... I also think more games will be postponed and the double game week in 37 should grow even bigger. And for me, that is a sign that I would want to use the strongest chip that game week, which is the free hit. So that is my aim, to save the free hit until 37, where I also know which teams have something to play for, because that will be pretty much impossible to guess a lot of weeks before game week 37. So I'm mapping out this long-term chip strategy and... So far, I think it's uh, the free hit chip should be regarded as the most powerful one, and you should use it not just automatically in a blank game week. Okay, 
Great logic. I hope that's helped all of your questions there about wildcards. I think we, we can, we've got the next headline come up here, preview time, just a kind of chat about a few players that we want. But if you were to list your potential wildcard now, let's, let's talk about the premium assets and kind of build around that, what you'd have in your wildcard. Question to both of you here. So which premium assets would you definitely have in your wildcard now? It's just for those that are actually composing theirs. So Craig, I'll come to you first. If I was composing my wildcard now, that would probably suggest that I want to climb rank quickly. And, and if I was to do that, I would be looking at highly explosive players uh, from the premium bracket that are not perhaps as well-owned as others. And, and, and the ones that uh, won't be as well-owned, I'd imagine something like an Aguero, even though he has done wonders for certain people. I don't think he's particularly well-owned across the board. So someone like him would be an absolute given for me up front. Uh, I would place in uh, Son in there as well because we know that he can get 15 points plus against anybody. And again, I don't think he's particularly heavily owned. In terms of other premiums, you might even look at taking a gamble on a different type of City asset. I think you have to have Kevin De Bruyne. Again, that's uh, kind of your foundation there, your bedrock for City because he seems to be involved in everything. But you kind of need to keep an eye on things, maybe have some money for, say, a Sterling. Now, at the moment, Sterling is a no-go zone. He doesn't seem to be doing anything. But if he starts to do something in the next couple of weeks, he might be someone that you want to move on quickly. Because fundamentally, you're playing your wild card at this sort of earlier stage to mm. climb rank quickly. So if you're going to start putting in Mane, Salah, Trent, or, you know, Salah or Mane, and, and you know, Trent and Robertson, uh, as well as, you know, the other common ones like Kevin De Bruyne, Vardy's, and, you know, some of these mid-price players that everybody's got now, like an Ings, then you're not going to really move. So it's kind of, you're going to end up shooting yourself in the foot. So you've got to kind of really think about what players are, you know, proven players that can get big points, but perhaps are owned maybe less than 20%, 25% at push. Yeah, brilliant stuff. What, what do you reckon, Stefan? Um, I agree with the premiums. I don't have any more to add there. Maybe I would, of course, have Salah in there as well. I wouldn't sell him. I think it's the too big risk. Yeah, he's but also not yeah, absolutely. owned as well. I think it's he's not, is he? 1%. No, yeah. And Son, yeah, would... like you say, 8% owned. So yeah. And with Mane's injury as well, it's an easy switch across, isn't it, at the moment? Now, things can change, as we said, very quickly. But I completely agree with Stefan. You have to have Salah. It's, it's absolutely given. He's not owned very heavily. Most people have Mane, uh, particularly in the higher ranks. And, you know, again, if they're not going to wild card, then they're going to stick with Mane. Um, so, so it's 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 worth a gamble. It could, you know, it could backfire. Mane could come back in a week or two and do really well. But I think you've got to take those gambles, otherwise you're not going to move. Uh, and maybe in Aubameyang as well as we've talked about as another player that perhaps you could consider taking a gamble on. Yeah, let's talk about Liverpool for a little bit. We've got a kind of section here regarding Liverpool. Question here, FPL Canada's but with Liverpool having the league wrapped up and City's main focus, the Champions League, is it better to spread your options over multiple teams rather than overloading one or two and face rotation problems? So I disagree with moving away from the Liverpool assets. I think you need to wait until they actually do win the league. That's all that Klopp wants, and I think he's going to commit all of their players to it. So I, I disagree that you should move away from them. But City, potentially, if they're, they're moving towards focus towards the, the Champions League, I don't think they're just going to give up the goat on the Premier League altogether, though. I think that 
Pep's still going to respect it and play a really good team each week. So I wouldn't necessarily do that. We also have one here. DJ Newton has also put, okay, whilst the Premier League champion is pretty much confirmed, do we think that Klopp will go for the record and play the strongest squad after sealing the crown at the end of March? Or should we just drop expensive midfielders for triple defence and focus on premium players elsewhere? Now, that is a question. Stefan, can you answer that one? Yeah, I think triple defense could work really well if you dare to captain Trent Alexander-Arnold every game week. <laughs> so other than that, I think Salah will play every game and he should be captain for most of the game weeks that is coming up. And I do think Klopp will play his strongest team until the t- title is mathematically done. Maybe he has some slight rotation around the Champions League games. Other than that, when they secure the title... They will still continue to use their strongest team if they're knocked out of the Champions League. They will not just rest Mane and Salah each and every week if they only have league games left to play. Mm. So it's a bit dependent on the Champions League. But with regards to Manchester City and their possible blank game weeks, I think it's more reasonable to maybe jump off the Bruyne at some point. Because it's more likely that Manchester City will just focus everything on the Champions League. And the other cups, maybe the FA Cup, because I know the, the league title is lost and they have, I don't remember how many, but they have a bunch of points down to Leicester. So they will be second quite comfortably. Given that, I don't see why Pep should play De Bruyne each and every game, but but we'll see. And Craig, what, what are your thoughts on that particular question and moving to triple Liverpool defence? Triple Liverpool defence. I'm not sure about that. I still find it difficult to put so much money at the back when there is just loads of value there with the other teams. And I think if you can, and you can look across the board to some of the other positions that can be a bit more explosive from a point of return. I mean, I love midfield. You get one point for a clean sheet. You get five points for a goal rather than four that forwards get. They seem to pick up more bonus points than than are some other positions. So I like to have my captains there. And I think if we go all in on, on a Liverpool d- uh, defence, I think you're going to potentially shoot yourself in the foot if a Salah or Mane does very well. But of course, you know, they could just keep loads of clean sheets. But they might start rotating there as well. You know, Matip's on the way back. So there could be some rotation at some point when they've won the league. Lovren as well. Uh, well, you know, Lovren um, isn't the best player in the world um (laughs) although he would (laughs) definitely um tell you otherwise (laughs) i think there may be some um sort of rotation going on back there you can't really see it can you with the van dyke robertson alexander you think they're pretty safe but you just don't know and and the champions league will become more of a focal point which again you could argue that is manny and salah safe probably not but yeah i'd rather if you know i don't want to put all my eggs in one basket and you know they end up conceding one goal you're pretty miffed right you might be limiting yourself to six to ten points from those three players, uh, whereas um, a Mane or a Salah could get easily get fifteen points in one game, even if they can see goals. Right? Yeah, so I'm not too sure it, about it, that. It's a bit unfortunate with the Mane injury because you could argue that you should rather go triple Sheffield United defence given the upcoming fixtures, and then use the money to load up on the big attacking guns. Well, that, that's, yeah, a, that's a good, good segue onto our, our next actual question here. But just before we move on to Sheffield United, just regarding Mane, we had a couple of questions here saying, you know, one from Liam at Spurs, Liam Seven is just saying what to do, what do Mane owners do? And uh, Sherry Ann Baxter is also saying, I'd like to know if Mane doesn't play against West Ham, do we stick or twist? Brought him in for 11.6, can't afford to drop points without a big hitter. So, 
you've got to take in mind that they've got a two week break after this next game week. So you you would hope if he's got potential to be back for this game week, then he should be back for that next game week. Because as Stefan mentioned earlier, Liverpool are going to play the kids in, in the cup replay. So that's not really a problem. For me, I am looking at hanging on to Mane. What about you guys? Craig, I know you've got him. Yeah, I've got him. I don't think I'm going to move him out anytime soon. I think I'm going to give it a couple of weeks and, and assess that situation. I probably have other fires that I need to extinguish at the moment. I'm keeping a close eye on Vardy. I've already got an issue with no keeper at the moment with Gazaniga, so I had to you know address that. So that's one transfer this week. Uh, and there are some other areas where I perhaps might want to strengthen a little bit pre-world card. And, and I really like Mane as a player. <laughs> As Stefan said earlier on the pod, it seems uh, very unlucky for those owners that triple captained him because he does seem to be pretty much injury proof. Uh, you know, he's a supreme athlete, uh, very athletic, and doesn't seem to pick up injuries very much. So uh, I'm going to keep hold of him and, and hope that, you know, whatever he's picked up is something that he can push through in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, and it, ba- it basically costs you two free transfers also to move that money to somewhere else because. Mm, that's, that's the, the only single transfer you can make is maybe down to Son, but he plays Manchester City at home, and that's not too tempting. So I think mm. the reasonable play is to just bench him for the Southampton game if he's confirmed out, and hope that he's back for Norwich. Yep, agree with that. Okay, we've got a long pod here now, so I'm just going to move it to last two questions, which... One kind of covering Sheffield United and one about Adama Traore. And also at the end, we will quickly compile a joint wildcard team just to help out the managers which are wildcarding at the moment and just who we think that you should go with. Okay, so Sheffield United. Then Mark at Bison 22 is saying Sheffield United have excellent fixtures coming up, but they have only scored 25 goals this season. Is someone like Fleck worth a squeeze or is their attack too blunt? Also, we probably need to talk about their defence because there are a lot of defenders which a lot of people are looking at for the likes of Ender Stevens. I think he's being overlooked. He actually got the most attacking returns out of their defenders last year. So he has got more potential to come good. What are your thoughts on Fleck, Craig? Any worth squeezing him in there? Or as Mark mentioned, is there attack too blunt? I probably, I guess it's circumstantial, isn't it? I mean, if you've got a player there, yeah, they, like a Hayden or a Campwell, perhaps, and you and you want to sort of upgrade, then then flex your next best bet. And, and of course, he seems to be the main focal point of that attack at the moment, involved in everything and getting in the box and getting goals and points for FPL. So that would be a circumstance where I'd say go for it, but. If you, again, have other issues or your team is structured in a different way, then I, I don't think it's a, a transfer that you need to make. Um, and again, some of the stuff that Stefan has said tonight around sort of tra- transfers and the value of them is very important. I like to look at a transfer as it is four points because you lose four points if you go beyond your quota. So it's four points. And if you're going in and out, you're, you're kind of wasting perhaps the potential of eight points. So you've got to be a bit sensible, I think, at this stage of the season and Fleck is one of those ones where I'd say it's a nice to have. So I wouldn't say, you know, it's again, circumstantial. Your team's looking in good shape or you're on wild card. Flex, your man. Yeah. Stefan? Yeah, I think Fleck's a great enabler. And with the fixtures they have coming up, I think you can comfortably start him basically every single game. You, don't, you wouldn't expect too much from him, but if and when he is involved in a Sheffield United goal, he's usually also pretty good at the bonus. So... 
if you want to get rid of Mane, you have two free transfers. You want to take a punt on someone like Aguero, you can downgrade Mane to a Fleck and upgrade whoever to Aguero. Yeah, for example, so. Fleck currently priced at 5.1. Yeah, they've got Crystal Palace away, Bournemouth at home, Brighton at home, Aston Villa away, Norwich at home, and Newcastle away. I mean, you probably can't get better fixtures than that, <clears throat> but yeah, great fixtures there for Sheffield United. What about their defenders? Um, I am soon to find out. Uh, from a friend of mine, whether or not Lundstrom is going to keep his spot. So uh, let everyone know in our Slack channel. But <clears throat> that is an issue there. If he is out, depending on what price you bought him, I don't know if he's going to be worth holding. If uh, Besic is going to keep his spot, which he's moved Lundstrom out for the time being, but we are yet to know. I think we'll find out in the next game week. Any other defenders who you would bring in, uh, Stefan? Sheffield United. I yeah. like both uh, Baldock and Ender Stevens. I like Henderson in goal, and I like. I don't like the bring them all in. Bring them all center in. Central defenders that much, but if you need to save a buck, just go for Egan or O'Connell or, or Basham. Basham. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's very good at this point, I think. Yeah, they've all got potential. Yeah. Okay, going to move on to our last question here. Another one from Mark at M Bison. Get- Load of questions from him. Thank you, Mark. Adama Troy averages around one to two goal attempts and one to two chances created a game. He's also exceeded his XGI quite a bit. Klopp has called him unplayable and Adam Hockcroft has said his points are too difficult to predict. He can't make up his mind. Is he a good FPL asset or not? And I'm going to answer this one. So, yeah, I think he is. And I think he would probably be the player that would receive the most improved player award at the end of season presentation. He really has put himself on the radar this season. And last season, I think all he he could do is really sprint. But this season, he's now got seven assists and four goals. That's crushing his previous three seasons in total, where he got four assists and one goal at 5.8 and he's getting regular 90 minutes now in a good Wolves team as well recent form is very good one goal and four assists in the last six which is fourth for midfielders for FPL points I mean it might be me but I think that Wolves as an attacking option for the likes of Jimenez and Traore they're almost fixture proof What what are your thoughts on that guys? I think it's uh, fixture-proof, as you said. And the, the worse uh, fixture for Wolverhampton, the better for Traore. Him and Jimenez have something real good going on. And it's a bit reminiscent to Fraser and Wilson last season. Yeah. And a lot of people missed the trick on those two for a long while. And I think Traore is a very good asset at this point and must have on the wild card, maybe. Mm-hmm. I won't say... Too many guys are must-haves, but I would have him in my wild card, and I will look at ways to bring him in, even without my wild card. Craig, any any further thoughts on that one? No, not no further thoughts. I don't think. I think I'm probably more team Jimenez, um, but it's one of those, isn't it? As Stefan's just said, it's a case of the the sort of Fraser Wilson partnership last year. So you, you you're likely to benefit whichever way you go. You just got to make your decision and stick with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have both. That's the that's the key for me. I think Jimenez okay. is uh, pretty much a given that you would want, but 
why not get the guy who's always linking up with Jimenez? If you get a goal for Jimenez, yeah. you will get some points for for a thrower as well. I agree. Likely. I mean, there's, there's, you're right, Stefan, and there's not really anybody else in that particular bracket either, either, either is there? I mean, if you look at it, and he's at, what, 5.8 now? Did he go up in price last night? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's He's kind of in a bracket on his own, isn't he? You've then got Grealish at what 6.6 and it's a bit of a jump up and I'm not too sure if perhaps you know he's going to continue firing um, with the way that Villa are playing so yeah I think he's definitely uh, of his price point he's without a doubt head and shoulders above anybody else around that so maybe a guy like Trossard but it's maybe tough to trust Brighton at the moment mm. yes agreed Okay, so we're going to finish here for now. So we're going to pause the pod whilst me, Stefan and Craig are going to discuss quickly who we think the perfect 15 will be for a wildcard. Then I'm going to come back and list the players. So bear with me two seconds. Okay, we battled and we argued and there were, there were bruises everywhere, but we've come to a final decision. So the wildcard team which we like and which we would advise you to have is Henderson and McCarthy in goal. TAA Robertson at the back with both the Stevens, one from Sheffield United and one from Southampton and Las Cellas. And in midfield would be Salah, KDB, Son and Traore. Up front would be Jimenez, Ings and Dominic Cavalier. And then depending on team value, because we found out that Craig's team had 8.4 available and my team had 5 mil available. So it would be <laughs> Grealish or Fleck around that price value who you choose in that final midfield spot. Okay. That's a decent team. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. That yeah. gives you flexibility for the bench boosts. Yep. Okay. Well, we're gonna... By the way, James, I absolutely love the way that you say Lascelles. Lascelles. <laughs> You've said it through the whole pod, Lascelles. 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 I'm going to continue to say Lascelles. Right. We'll, You're going to get people. Go, I love it. I love it. I we'll love be it. right back. We're just going. For, we're just going for the Iceman's piss. Welcome back, everyone, from the Iceman's Piss Break. And we're going to move on now to Partner Chat and Mikael Topfam's algorithm. This week it is suggesting that with the one free transfer that I've got and 0.3 in the bank, to keep an eye on the Mane situation, no transfer can give a significant rise in BCV without putting funds on the sidelines. So best to wait for two free transfers, no doubt. So that is exactly what I'm doing. If you want to hear more from Mikael or check out his algorithm, it's Patreon dot com forward slash transfer algorithm also we are partnered with fancy football hub and we have been given an exclusive sign up offer of surgery 10 so if you go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk you can sign up there for 10 percent off we are also partnered with the brilliant fpl doodles who is producing great doodles for us every week and he has one with all of our headlines so you can he actually puts that up so you can kind of guess what our headlines are just from the picture it's quite an interesting little guessing game he's got there going to move it now to to captains, transfers and captains. Craig, what are your transfers and captains for this game week 25? 
So this week I need to get rid of Gazaniga and I will likely bring in Henderson for Gazaniga's have money in the bank to do so. And captaincy-wise, I'm still unsure. I don't think Manny's going to play the game, but I would quite like to maybe move the captaincy over to him. But, but I have stuck with Salah now for a while, so I'm probably going to keep the armband on him because I just don't see anybody else in my team that I want to put it on. Yeah, agree with that. Uh, Stefan? Yeah, my plans is very dependent on the result of Aston Villa or Leicester, and that will dictate who I will transfer in. But I will most likely... If Leicester goes through, I will most likely bring in Enda Stevens for Soyonu. And I'm undecided about if I will spend my second free transfer on getting Vardy out. I will just have to monitor him. And for captain, it will be Salah. Yeah, Salah for me as well. Already said what captain, uh, what transfer I'm doing. I'm not doing any. Okay, before we leave you, let's go through the FPL surgery Patreon League. Passing over back to you, Stefan. Yeah, and in third place, we have Matt Seward. Second place, Gabriel Castellanos. Castellanos. And first place, <laughs> Jeff Holt. So he, he is, Jeff Holt, added, you said there, if no one has Jeff Holt. Well he's, done, he's Jeff. leading. Yeah. Yeah, he could Gabriel, be... he has given me kudos on how to exp- pronounce his name. It is, it is. Speaking with my Spanish. Yeah, I, I had no idea, but uh, I can say Jeff Holt. That's quite an easy one. Well done, Jeff. We knew you'd get up there. We would, I knew you'd get there eventually, so well done. And now for the FPL surgery public. The code is CCCJK2. Stefan, take it away. Yeah, in 10th place we have Halstein Idstebø, and then Christer Melskar, Ed Salinger, Luko Truman, Derek McGrath, Alex Nielsen, Richard Nudlover. Okay, that one I pursued. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. <laughs> Third, it's Luke Burgess, Mike Butcher, and still leading, but his lead is... Ah, uh, it's slim now. Eight points. Theodore Ekebakke is still in first place. Well done, Theodore, and your two-year-old son. Okay, going to move to the guest top three picks now, Craig. Your top three differentials for this game week. What are your top three picks, top three differentials? Top three picks for this week have to be Salah, Alexander-Arnold, and De Bruyne. Yeah. I think De Bruyne will do something at Spurs ground this weekend. I think they're not really in a great patch at the moment. Only scored two goals this calendar year. I think about four or five games. So not not doing great things. Differentials wise, I'm going to go for Abamyang, Sun, and Dini. Like it, like it a lot. Also, right, okay, we've got here now the feedback box. We've got one here from FPL Ghostface, just randomly put to us. Cheers for all the well thought out pods this season, lads. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Best of luck to you too, FPL Ghostface, and thank you for the feedback and good luck to all of our listeners too. Right, we now have a word from our patron, Mad Hatter. He produces the Alexa's Afterthoughts for us every week when he has time. And I'm just going to play it for you now. Alexa, how are you, little lady? I'm fine. Extremely little man. How is your double game week coming along? I hear you were lucky enough to see the leaked team sheets and proceeded to sell Kun for Jesus. You dribbling twat. This double game week has seen Noble score. Mane sit on the floor more. And Salah needing a bigger barn door. Let's hope Wednesday's game produces more goals. Unless this pod airs after Wednesday. If so, how did you like Salah's haul? And, that streaker looked visibly cold. My capo pick for next game week is, well, 
Salah again I suppose. That's all from me. Good luck everyone for next game week. Oh and Mad Hatter, next time you see a league team, don't turn to religion. Jesus is never the answer. Up the pod. Up the pod. <laughs> Up the pod. Thank you, Darren. I uh, I know that you were seductively teabagging Alexa at the weekend, so well done for that. Okay, thank you, Craig. Appreciate you coming on this week. Where can people find you if they want to uh, message you via Twitter, email? Where can people find you? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're putting me out there for a date there, James. <laughs> Um, if anybody Tinder wants to, yeah, well, that, yeah, who knows? married man, just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, so uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, then they can find me pretty much on Twitter. Uh, that's where I uh, engage most with the community Thank at FPL Editor. <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, let's just go to Twitter at <laughs> FPL Editor. That will that will probably suffice. Yeah, thank you for coming on, mate. You've been great as, as Cheers, ever, guys. and I will be sending. What am I sending to you? I think it's a, a stress ball and a, a mat your way because you've now reached. I think you've now reached five pod appearances now. So yeah, I will be sending you some FPL surgery merchandise. Thank you very much. Much appreciated, gents. And Stefan. Yeah, just one thing to say, James. Up the pod. Up the pot. Up the pot! I didn't actually do the uh, the outro today because I, I just couldn't be bothered in the end. All <laughs> uh, right. James, I lost you. Hello? I can't hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> I can't hear James. Do I refresh? Okay. Yeah. Tell James he needs to stop the recording. James, am I actually telling you my transfers? <laughs> <laughs> yes, mate. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, I have stuck with Salen, 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 oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I was on mute. I was on mute. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) God. This has gone on for too long. Yeah, right. God. Go from now.